This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Joining us now to talk about the Colorado Avalanche is the Colorado Avalanche's beat writer at the Denver Gazette. You can follow him on social media at Kyle Fredrickson. That's uh, Fred Rick Son, right? F-R-E-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. You've heard him on the program before. Kyle, thank you for joining us. When, when we look at the Avalanche right now, we talked about it before you came on. And Sandy brought up a, a bunch of unnerving quotes being on the delusional side of things, Jared Bednar said. Uh, wanting to to win more was necessary that Bednar mentioned. Winning must mean more to us. This is wanting a concerning win. thing for a team that has been more or less healthy. We know that the Jushkin is gone. But on this road trip, has been more or less healthy, has been more or less whole. And not only did they go one and five on the trip, but in many cases, they were blown out. What is your sense of what's going wrong with the Avalanche right now? It's it's a great question, and I think, to your point on Jared Bednar, we've seen his attitude sort of reflect how these games have gone. There was still this quiet confidence early in the trip. Hey, we'll get this figured out. Uh, We know who we are. You know, they were streaking into the All-Star break, I think 12-3-1. Yeah, um, 13-3-1, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so 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 they're playing great, but this doesn't look like the same team. And, uh-huh. and part of that is, is is Nathan McKinnon maybe not being just that totally dominant force. You know, yeah, the, the All Star break, he was all smiles during the the skills stuff and then the game, and and he was a good sport. But we just haven't seen him him back to you know playing that dominant level of hockey where it seems like every puck is going in. It's it's kind of back to that early season Nate where that top line is generating a lot of chances. It's, it's just not working out. So w- w- when that's not happening, it just feels like there's a trickle down effect with this team where they don't have enough depth. And, and a lot of that's down the middle, right? And when you, we talk about these last six games, they only got two goals from their centers, one being Nathan McKinnon and then Ross Colton the other night against the Capitals team that let's be honest is, is just not, you know, quality competition at this point. And for me, that's the most concerning thing. It just feels like this is an avalanche team capable of, of beating bad teams and, and teams that they should take care of. But other teams with loaded with talent are going to figure out ways to take away Nathan McKinnon. You know, he only had one shot on goal in that shutout loss in, in Florida. Um, this team can't function if, if, if that's how things are going. So, you know, there's some time left before the trade deadline. There's guys out there who could help this roster. But this does feel like the team has been a, a little bit exposed on this road trip. Granted, they just haven't been a good road team all year long, and they really did face a, a, a gauntlet of opponents. Yeah, um, but the, the point that Bednar uh, stressed after the game seemed to have more to do with the goals given up rather than the absence of goals scored. And that's been a problem right throughout on this trip outside of the Ranger game and they're giving up close to five goals a game. And I understand two goals were in the empty net last night, but it seemed Bednar after the game more or less absolved Ananen from responsibility for the loss. And in talking about how uh, the abs may be on the delusional side of things, perhaps frustrated, but he went on to say there has to be more to give wanting to win has to mean more to us. I I watched the game, 
And I maybe the standard is too high, but McCarr and Taves I thought were terrible last night, and I thought they cost them the game. Yeah. Uh, the second goal was on Taves, not on Annanen. The game-winning right. goal was on McCarr, not on Annanen. Uh, the first goal of the game bounced off Samuel Girard and then off uh, – a Tampa player and on into the net that you certainly couldn't blame on at least three of the four goals. You couldn't blame Annan and a fourth goal was a Stamkos breakaway that I don't think any goalie in the league could have stopped. I mean, it's yeah. Steven Stamkos for goodness sake. And I, yeah. I, I McCarr and Taves can't play that badly. And I, I, I said this earlier, uh, Kyle, I, I watch a ton of hockey there are at least four or five defensemen who are having better years than Kale McCarr is having. I'm sorry, yeah, certainly I, on the defensive end of things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Kale had a month in or a week in November where he sort of stirred this conversation. Is he the best player in the world? But I think you're right. He's. I think Kale McCarr would even admit that he has not played up to the level that he expects of himself, right? And I think that's what's bizarre about this Avalanche team is you know, they have all world players who play like that over large stretches of games. And then it's almost like it's like Space Jam or something. Yeah. Like these guys are, are getting their talents sucked out and they commit these just weird turnovers or make these strange decisions that just, you know, puts Georgiev or Annan in a spot where it's no man's land, right? And I think that's where you get that sense from Jared Bednar that this isn't about goaltending, it's just about no. playing a full entire game and being focused the entire time. And, you know, I think that's a little hard to diagnose with this team because they should be fresh. They're off the all-star break. They, they have strong leadership in that locker room. They're just a streaky bunch, right? You know, I, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if in a month from now they turn it around and play good hockey and, and win eight of 10, right? But it, it feels like this team has to get streaky to do that. And it's just another sort of indictment on their playoff chances long-term, if, if they're going to be a contender and, and grind out series and rely on their depth when they need it. I mean, that cup-winning team, it's, gosh, they were so spoiled with the amount of playmakers they had, you know, being four lines deep and, and rolling those guys. And um, even when their starting goaltender goes out, the backup, Frankie comes in and, and plays wonderful. So this team doesn't really have those components. And, you know, being back at home is going to help. You know, they, they get a few more uh, in the confines of a ball arena where they've been much better. But, yeah, it's it's, it's clear that, you know, with Jared Bednar's description, um, you know, you, you can't be coaching effort this late in the season. No, it's, exactly it's, it's what Sandy right? exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, exactly. said. Exactly. For, for him to, to say, oh, Ryan Johansson just, you know, needs to find that hunger, it's a little laughable. You know, if, if, if Ryan Johansson was hungry, he'd be eating. But instead, he's kind of just skating to get off the ice on a, on a lot of his shifts. Kyle, the train deadline is three weeks from today. What do you think is the Avalanche first priority? And can they acquire or should they acquire maybe more than one player in the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've been preaching it for the last few weeks or maybe even months, just the need to replace Johansson with a with an actual playmaker at, at yeah. 2C and, and finding that backup goalie. Um, you know, I put out a list earlier this week of five guys who I've just heard a lot of chatter about who fill those roles, but it's thinning out, right? I think at this point at center, you know, there's Adam Henrique out with the Anaheim Ducks, right. 34. He's, you know, he's, he's on track to have his seventh season with like 20 plus goals. 
a, not a speed guy like Johansson, but you know, high high IQ, consistent. He's he's more of a gritty net front guy, and boy, they they missed that they without missed foul that. on the ice. Yep. So you're right. You know, I and, and I saw earlier there was a report, you know, maybe for like an hour or so that the Abs were. Uh, you know, maybe close to something with Jake Allen, the the backup or I guess third guy out in, in Montreal. Yes. Um. And but that kind of got shot down pretty quick by another insider. But he's a guy on my list as well. Oh, a, sure. A veteran, but you know he's he's got a, a contract that goes in the next season, so you know some creativity is is going to be needed on on both sides. But the, to me, those guys are are near the top of the list. Um. You know, a few more players might fit that mold, but. That's sort of the issue with this team is, you know, I think to to get either of those guys, you're giving up a first round pick and the abs have just been light on prospects. Right. And and I think that even shows right now they've had young players step up, um, you know, Sam Malinsky, Jason Poland, young players. Uh, the abs just recalled Chris Wagner, um, another guy who's been uh, kind of a journeyman in the NHL uh, to, to join that forwards group. And, and but those guys aren't real playmakers. They're not real difference makers. Who, you know, we're going to turn things around this late in the year. So I'm real intrigued to, to see where McFarland is at on this. And if he's willing to leverage, you know, a piece of this team's future, uh, if he thinks that they're one piece away, but man, are they though? I mean, to your point, it might take more than just one guy to to fix what the abs have, you know, going on. There was somewhat of a silver lining last night in that Bo Byram scored two goals. I thought it was the best game he had played in months. Certainly one of the, four or five best games he's played all year. Uh, the second goal in particular, uh, nobody on the ice, uh, not including Annan, of course, in, but including Vasilevsky, had no idea where the puck was on either team right. except Bo Byron. And he stuffed it in for what was at that point the game-tying goal, the Avalanche, and that's what hurt about the loss last night. Avalanche were up 3-2 in a third period. A championship-contending team, has to be able to close that game out or at least come away with a point. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. You know, but it's become almost expected. Uh, if they're playing a good team, even if they're ahead in the third period, they're going to find a way to beat themselves, make mistakes. Uh, but the silver lining in Byram last night, I, I thought Byron was more aggressive. I thought he was hungrier uh, on a team that certainly couldn't generally be characterized as having been hungry last night. I thought he was an exception to that, actually. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, words you usually don't utter in, in this order, but that's a that's an effort play by Bo Byram, right? You know, sometimes yes. he wows us with the skill. But, yeah, that's what I loved about that goal is he just kind of chopped away at the puck and, and also used his vision, right? That's something that, that we've seen from him at times. He, you know, he thinks the pass ahead or he's in the exact right spot. And, and, and that's, a, that's a nod to him, right? He's a guy who's who certainly hasn't played his potential, and, and we've talked of that before. But to see him play in a more prominent role would be huge for this team. And, and so much of their success over the years has, has been the defense-creating offense, right? I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Makar and Taze have got to have the most points among defensemen over the past few years as a pairing. Well, yeah, and I think that, that as a defense core, they're still number one in goals scored this year sure. uh, in, in right. the league. Uh, what, what I wanted to... Uh, get at with you was something I heard on the Tampa telecast last night, and we touched on it earlier in the program. Uh, They made a comment. It it was designed as a compliment, but uh, the way it was stated, 
almost seemed to sound like an indictment of the Avalanche Defense Corps generally, basically said, other than Manson, that there's there's nobody on this team who applies any physical force on defense. Manson's the one and the only one. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair critique, right? And Manson does do a good job of, of being an enforcer. I remember him dropping Jamie Benn in, in Dallas last year. That was a great fight. But it's not like a, a real consistent sort of steady presence, right? I mean, he's not, you know, necessarily a true enforcer by trade, but steps well, up. Well, no, no I, I don't think they meant and, it and, in but, an but enforcer right. sense. They, they meant but just certainly. as a guy who can kill a play – with his physical presence. And that, that right. was the play they were referring to. They weren't referring to a, a questionable hit or any kind of borderline deal that might have been penalized. They're saying, you know, this, this is the one guy in this team. Physically, you have to keep your head up. Yeah. That's you don't have to point. do that and with I, anybody else. Nobody else will touch you. And the five right. other defensemen and, won't go near you. Right. And and I think you see that on the second chance scoring, right? Because if, if Georgias has has a weakness, it's probably those yes. rebounds where yes. it bounces off him of and, and there's kind of that scatter at the net. And yeah, to your point, the Avs just haven't been winning those battles. and They haven't been aggressive, you know, and, and a lot of these turnovers and mistakes are just being out of position. And maybe, you know, that's Kale McCarr or, or Bo Byram or whoever just trying to get on the rush too fast, right? They're, they're playing so far up the ice a lot of times because they are talented enough to do that. But that's going back to basics, right, and, and defending your own net first. And, yeah, I think, you know, for, for other commentators to say that, I, I think it's true. I don't think there's anyone on this decor, you know, who truly puts the, the fear in other guys. You know, McCarr does have a nasty back check that he pulls out yes. every once in a yes. while. It's, it's a little surprising. But, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like that's been a, a real consistent part of his game this season. And that could also be help, right? I mean, he dealt with stuff all off season trying to get right. It, it seems like it's just this unspoken thing in hockey that guys are going to play injured yeah. as the year goes on and just I, deal with it. I guess and, I and wonder so about that. that yeah, I wonder if well. he, he just doesn't look right. He doesn't look yeah. like himself. But yeah, I, last I, one I for you, Kyle. Agree. The when you see a streaky team like this, and the streakiness seems to stem from consistent effort and focus. The Absence of Gabriel Landeskog as the team captain. The Avalanche didn't want to name a replacement this year. How much of that is actually affecting the room? Because the culture of hockey actually really does put place a lot of weight in that. And, and you're there with those guys. The absence of their leader, and instead of voting someone to replace them, maybe was that a mistake? Should they have maybe given that to someone else so they felt like they had the authority to keep that team in line and when it comes to effort and focus? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's something that we've asked players and Bednar and Fraze in different ways, and, it, and, and predictably it, it gets shot down. Right. And with Bednar pointing to, you know, look at the entire room. We've, we've got Nate. We've got Andrew Cogliano. You know, Jack Johnson is a guy who speaks up. But I do think that there's something there to be said that there's kind of this Landeskog vacuum in the dressing room. You know, I, I just don't think there's anyone else who quite speaks with just the, the elegance and, and strength that, that Gabe does just because he's been the captain for so long, right? I mean, the guy was a, 
a teenager when he took over that leadership role for this team. So you can't really ask someone else to try to, to try to be that, you know, other guys can step up. Other guys can say something when they need to. Um, but there's no doubt that they, they miss Gabe. I, I don't know that slapping the C on anybody else in the locker room would make that much of a difference. If anything, you're just encouraging some drama to unfold when, you know, inevitably Landeskog tries to make a comeback and then what, do you give him the seat back? Do you, do you, you know, say, hey, we're, we're making this change for good? You know, that, that's not a great signal to a player who's, who's trying to make his return. So I think they're trying to, you know, treat Gabe with as much respect as they can, but they still miss him. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. I, from a reporter's standpoint, I will say I've gained more respect for Devontae's this season. Um, as you guys remember, you know, he kind of had the viral comment about, yeah, yeah, you know, he's willing to do that. And that wasn't always the case. So, you know, it felt like last year being a contract year, he didn't like talking to reporters a whole lot. He wasn't in the room a ton, but when they lose a tight game now, that's usually where we kind of gravitate towards. And and he's, you know, he, he's kind of a low talker. He he doesn't speak with like a, a lot of volume, but he says exactly how he feels. He doesn't sugarcoat it. You know, he, he might give you a, a cliche here or there, but it, it really feels like he means what he says. And, and clearly it feels like the rest of this room listens to him. So, you know, to your point, I, I just, it's hard for me to think that a, a new captain makes a difference, but I can't say that, you know, they don't miss Landeskog like crazy just because he is who he is. You, you cannot replace a Gabe Landeskog. He is Kyle Fredrickson. Make sure you give him a follow on social at Kyle Fredrickson and check out everything he puts together over at the Denver Gazette, denvergazette.com. Uh, terrific work covering the avalanche. Make sure you give Kyle a follow and you'll, you'll get uh, all that insight that you just heard every single day. Kyle, we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much because this is a, an interesting time for the avalanche and we'll see how they manage to bounce back. As you pointed out, it's streaky. And I agreed with you when you said right off the, the bat that I could see this team all of a sudden winning eight of 10. I think that's possible yeah. too. This just might be the roller coaster ride that we're in for this season. Yeah, if nothing else, they're interesting. That's what I appreciate about this team. Hey, that, we'll, we'll take interesting. You're right. Interesting is better than uh, not. And we have a couple of those yeah. teams in town as well. So thanks so much for the time. Have a great weekend. Yep, yep, thank you. All right, Kyle Fredrickson joining us. Uh, as you pointed out, Sandy, with the Avs, one power play goal on the road trip. One. Six games, one power play goal. And this team has been healthy, save Nachushkin. Yeah. Being, uh, oh, oh, yeah. There's yeah, not a lot of excuses. You know, the, the number but one power play every units team in the intact. league has issues like that. Yeah. And it's been a problem. That's right. So we'll find out. The Avs uh, will get another crack at it. They play on Sunday, on uh, Sunday afternoon, 4 p.m. The Coyotes come to town. That's a game that you'd like to see the Avs certainly uh, dominate. Yeah, so, especially uh, with Vancouver up next yeah. after the Arizona. You might want to stop, start banking some wins. We'll find out. We'll get back to the Denver Broncos, who, uh, when looking at options at quarterback, one of them may have apparently removed themselves this afternoon. I'll explain next on My Life Sports. Now you're all about the accolades And I don't know who you are Forgot the things that made you Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. 
The Denver Broncos are looking for a quarterback, and at this point, they can't terribly be picky because, um, well, you don't have one when you're <laughs> when you've moved on from Russell Wilson and don't believe anything else. Uh, the Broncos are moving on for Russell Wilson. The News today broke over uh, Rich Eisen show, of course, was talking about it. Rich was off today. Andrew Siciliano, well-known to NFL Red Zone viewers, was the host. And uh, as the news broke about one of the particular quarterbacks that uh, Aaron Anderson from Fox 31 mentioned on this program yesterday that the Broncos could look at, uh, might have removed himself from the discussion. Raiders quarterback, at least for now, you know, for three more weeks until possibly he gets cut. Jimmy Garoppolo has been suspended two games what? for violating the NFL's performance enhancing substances policy per sources. Schefter says the policy violation is related to him using a prescribed medication without having a valid therapeutic use exemption her sources. I don't know what it's for. Everybody has a story as to why they get popped. The The story going around the last couple of years when guys get popped. And by the way, this is legit. This is legitimate. It It's hair restoration stuff that all that often gets, that gets you flagged. Really? Correct. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to play again for the Raiders. We knew that, but this will truly, um, I think, lock it in. It also probably removes him from the equation from a lot of teams. Now, I I don't see Garoppolo as a fit, but here's the funny thing. I actually think that this makes him, and I don't think it's a very high likelihood, I think it makes him more likely to be a potential target for the Broncos because it knocks his salary way, way, way down. Because uh, honestly, if you're looking at a pile, I mean, okay, you're looking at in the free agents of the world, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones, Sam Darnold, Ryan Tannehill. As I've said before, I'd be surprised if Jameis Winston does not get signed by the Broncos. Those kind of guys, guys that at one point were believed to be Solid starters, if not franchise guys, and could never actually hold on to it, with, I think, the exception of Tannehill. But Tannehill, age has gotten to the point where the Titans even decided they didn't want him anymore. Will Levis took over that job. So the Broncos are either stuck with a pile of those guys, the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world, who may be good soldiers, may be good teammates, but aren't going to lead you to the playoffs. Or you're going to have to draft a guy in the first round, who can take over? Or the other possibility we've talked about, folks, Jared Stidham might just be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And if you believe that's going to take you anywhere, I don't know what to tell you. But when, when you think of the, the situation for Garoppolo, what does it mean for Denver when you look at the quarterback position? Because the closest we get to the draft, Sandy, the more I start to think the Broncos aren't going to go in that direction. Uh, at least not in the first round. Right. And a guy that's not being drafted in the first round is not going to be your starter this year. No. If you go get Michael yeah, Michael Pratt so. out of right. Tulane in the right. fourth or fifth it, round, it, he's not starting this year. Even, even He'll be backing round. up Jared Stidham or maybe even, even backing up Jared Stidham and Jameis Winston. Who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, to me, Winston, Darnold, Mac Jones, 
Garoppolo, Tannehill, right now, in the here and now, they're all backup quarterbacks at best. And if that's the choice of quarterbacks out there, might as well stick with Stidham. <laughs> the starter, he's another backup. Uh, I don't think it's possible to overstate how big a hole the Broncos have dug for themselves. And I, I see all these uh, immediate postseason rankings for 2024 out there, and I just start laughing when they have, even when they have the Broncos ranked as high as 23rd. I mean, that makes them one of the 10 worst teams in football, I guess. I, I don't know how you rank them anywhere near 23rd. They're one of the five worst teams in the league. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah. And quality that, and, of and roster. We've gone over some of the roster capital, challenges they have. Salary cap challenges. Uh, no quarterback. I'm A with very you. small of chance of, of getting one who would be viewed as capable of even starting any place in the National Football League before next season begins. It, it, it's just a, a, a pile of garbage. And you just stack the garbage higher really and higher <laughs> with the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has a reputation for being one of the least able quarterbacks when it comes to processing information. And they're, they're, Stories I've told both on the air and off the air about that. Uh, I don't think I need to repeat the on-air stories, but uh, he isn't exactly the working man's quarterback. He's kind of the prototype of the pretty boy quarterback. Kind of looks the part. Is good looking. Got the matinee idol thing. It's I guess. got the matinee idol looks. Perhaps trying to keep the uh, keep, keep the lettuce play. on top looking fresh. And, and the story I've told on the air, and I'm sure my friend Orlando Franklin wouldn't mind me telling it again. Uh, when Bobby Turner was the running backs coach of the 49ers, a longtime Shanahan assistant, both under father and under son. Right. right. Uh, I don't know Bobby Turner's wife at all. I don't know Bobby Turner that well. Right. I certainly don't know his wife. But she would sit in the stands while Jimmy Garoppolo was playing quarterback in playoff games and say, I hope he gets it out of the way early. <laughs> and everybody around her knew exactly what she was talking about. The inevitable bonehead Jimmy Garoppolo interception. Or get it out of the out way. Of early. Stepping out of the back of the end zone. And, uh, what, and, and costing his team and a, an 11 to 10 The only game. 11 to 10 loss sustained by a team in the history of the National Football League of well over 100 years now. Uh, it, I'll, I'll use the line I've used many times before. If he's the answer, I sure as hell don't want to know the question. And. That applies not just to Jimmy Garoppolo, but to Sam Darnold and Mac Jones, who are proven flops. Uh, I'm not even convinced they're very good backup quarterbacks, so they would be very good 
backup quarterbacks. Uh, Tannehill's a backup at, at this point. Uh, Garoppolo can't move. Uh, am I correct? It's uh, There's some irony in this, right? Mm-hmm. Because wasn't it Garoppolo who first stepped in when Tom Brady got suspended for deflate game? Yeah, I believe so because the other the last and then time- Garoppolo got hurt as he almost always right. does, and Jacoby Brissett came in. Right, because the, the, and then Brady came back. The after previous time, obviously, when there yeah was Matt Castle when Brady was hurt. Well, when he was hurt, I'm talking but about the late game. Yeah, it the was four yeah, game suspension. Yeah, Garoppolo, Garoppolo came in. Right. So there's some irony in this that Garoppolo's only real exposure quarterbacking a championship team came when Brady was suspended and now Garoppolo suspended and you know Brady just lost four games and maybe he was fresher at the end of the year anyway right <laughs> and when was that was it 2016 uh, the flight gate suspension yeah, four to, games I'd have to look at it but yeah I mean, obviously in that area Danny, obviously you know, remember the deflate gate stuff was yeah. I don't you know remember one? exactly. Well, yeah. Well, it would have been twenty fifteen, right? Because it was the tail was end of the twenty fourteen season. Well, it, yeah, but they had that long drawn out investigation, right? Too. Yeah. When was the when was the actual the suspension, suspension happened in twenty sixteen? Yes. Yes, you're right. Who won the championship that year? New England. Mm-hmm. So the only championship team he ever quarterbacked was the sixteen. Patriots and he got hurt and he was only playing because Brady got suspended. Now he gets suspended. Brady just lost four games and might have been a better quarterback for being fresher at the end of the year anyway. He won the Jimmy Garoppolo's probably lost his career. I can't see anybody picking him up. It is very difficult to see where the Broncos go with quarterback. Obviously, we'll stay on top of it as the as the offseason rolls along, but you know, these options uh, are few. And in this case, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think it may be the end of Garoppolo's career, which is pretty remarkable because it wasn't that long that he was seen as the answer to the San Francisco 49ers question. Except the 49ers never thought that. Never really believed in it. That's that's the truth. And so uh, Garoppolo suspended for the first two games of the season. Uh, it's going to be, it looks like it's going to be a little it's chilly outside right now. There's some snowflakes. You know, the, it's still winter. And you know that the Colorado home market's been crazy for years. And even though you hear the idea that in the winter months, you shouldn't put your home up for sale. That's not entirely true. You should talk to my friends, Dave and Mark at Key Real Estate Group's Colorado Luxury Home Team. Uh, they're talking about that luxury, uh, the way they handle things, the service, that high-end luxury service. Not necessarily about a luxury home, though Dave and Mark can certainly help you with that, too. But you have to have experts that know Colorado's market. They know how to handle the highs and the lows. They know how to handle the, the weather here and the way that changes the, the, the path that people take in order to buy homes and that they're as stable as they get 25 years in the same offices the trick about the winter is inventory in denver is still low as you know uh, it's hard to find the right home homes that are priced right still sell fast even in these winter months because the buyers in the winter they're more serious they want to move now so don't wait let dave and mark represent you to make sure you're getting everything that you deserve call dave and mark at the Q Real Estate Group at 720-900-LIST. That's 720-900-LIST. Or visit them today at keyrealestategroup.com. Uh, one of Sandy's favorite events in all the sports, the NBA All-Star Game, is coming up this week. And I say that with a, just a small amount 
up sarcasm as Sandy's just shaking his head, looking at me. We'll talk about it's worse that. than the NHL All Star Game, and I, 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 nothing's worse than the Pro. Well, there but, are maybe reasons to believe it will get better, and one of Colorado's own nominated, at least becoming a finalist for a Hall of Fame. I'll tell you who that is next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. I think I think I see where we're going with this one. Eh? It is NBA All-Star Weekend, and of course, when you think about NBA All-Star Weekend, half the time I don't think you think about the actual game itself, dunk contest, three-point contest, those kind of the, the skills events are maybe the more uh, wow moments than the game. Of course, the game is often a uh, dunk contest of its own in real time. The problem at a certain point with, with the All-Star game and a, a really good article today over at, at ESPN breaking down some of the, the history of it and the recent history when Brian Windhorst put it together brought up the, I, the, the note that it wasn't all that long ago in which Dwayne Wade broke... Kobe Bryant's nose in an all-star game because he was trying to to block a layup late in the game and fouled him. Uh, Bryant actually, after the fact, actually praised Wade for playing hard. Bryant, with a younger LeBron James, basically was trying to taunt him to shoot the ball because Kobe wanted a one-on-one moment with LeBron and wanted to stop him when LeBron wouldn't engage. And, oh, and you remember the time that Michael Jordan got frozen out by... Isaiah Thomas right? and company. And and Michael Jordan went after a young Kobe Bryant, trash-talking him the entire game, trying to break him down. And, and the problem is, as of last year, here, here's what Michael Malone said about the game. Of course, he coached it as the coach of the, the team. Quote, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be part of a great weekend with great players. But that is the worst basketball game ever played. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. End quote. Uh, that, I mean, that's that's what Michael Malone, the coach of the game, never spoke said about yeah. the All Star game last yeah. year. That's yeah, miserable, to coach. I I remember it used to be a, a a real honor. I mean, not that long ago. I'm not talking about ancient history here, folks. I'm not talking about four decades ago, three decades, two decades. I, I'm talking about. Uh, maybe 2010. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It was competitive, and you know, guys got mad when they didn't play as much as they think they should have been allowed to play. Now you've got the poor guy like Nikola Jokic. He doesn't even want to play in a game because it isn't Nikola it Jokic isn't basketball. Last year, remember, it isn't it was basketball. the reigning two-time MVP, and and he ended up thinking he was the last player picked that actually was going to be Larry Markinen, but Jokic just kind of walked over to LeBron James team thinking that that was, that he, he was the last guy picked despite the fact he's the reigning two-time MVP. When asked about it as a slight, he said, I wouldn't draft myself either. I'm not meant for this game. Jalen Brown of the, the Celtics 
complained about it, saying that wasn't basketball. That was just highlights and layups of jump shots. I don't know how much notoriety you'd want to get from this. It was just a glorified layup line. And and listen, I remember uh, two All-Star games were held here in 2005 and I believe 1984. And speaking of Isaiah Thomas, he was the MVP of the 84 All-Star game and being MVP of the All-Star game meant for that one day you were the best player in the world. Yeah. And that was generally acknowledged yeah, to be true. it really was. And I can't, honestly, although the game was more competitive in 05 than it is now, much more so, I can't even remember who the 05 MVP was. But when it was a serious basketball game in 84, I sure remember who the MVP was at Old McNichols Arena. The... League has tried again to tweak it. They're going back to East versus West. They they tried for That's a little bit in the Elan nice ending. They got rid of that. Uh, they are going to cut down all the pregame ceremonies because the players had said basically it makes it hard to get up for the game because there's so much pomp and circumstance. Yeah. They would actually like to play. But part of the problem is even even those the events that were the the fun things that would happen on All Star Saturday. The 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 three points. Uh, maybe some guys still do the three points. The dunk, that's been watered the down, cost. too, because nobody wants to play Exactly. Him. Over on Shaquille O'Neal's big pod, he had a guy that knows a little bit about uh, some of those events. Julius Irving, who the famously most famous in dunker of them Nichols all. Sports Arena yeah. when the dunk contest the was eventually dunk invented. The contest of them all. In the ABA. And, and the ABA all... Uh, listen... The ABA had the best dunkers. Dr. J. That's the yeah. least you could say about the ABA. Right. The ABA back then had the best dunkers. The NBA did and not. And that, that the ABA had famous all. one with Dr. J in, in 76 was against one. David Thompson. David Thompson of the Never Nuggets. That was the showdown. Mick, At the Mick end, Sports called Arena. by Al Albert, brilliantly called by Al Albert, uh, the best basketball announcer, at least on radio, the best basketball announcer I've ever heard in my life. Dr. J had a chance to talk about what that used to mean and talked about it with Shaquille O'Neal. Doctor, I saw a clip of you facing Kareem one-on-one. Do you think we could bring a one-on-one tournament to today's NBA? You won't get all the top players to be involved in it. There's a whole bunch who who won't do it. The Eagles are not going to allow it. And uh, that's why, you know, you don't get sometimes the uh, the greatest dunkers in the dunk contest. Because it's about the brand right now. They, they don't want to do anything to diminish the brand. But Shaq, why are they afraid of losing when if you win, you could become a star. Because they're afraid of competition. So it's a shame that, you know, our biggest stars are afraid of competition. I started watching dunk contests because of this man. After he left, Dominique and Mike took it over. And then Vince. My thing with that is they don't pay homage and show respect. I wouldn't be able to make 40 million without him. Get your money, do your thing, but you have to respect the game. Respect them. And I think there was a really good point in there because you think, oh, and I'm not picking on anybody personally, but let's just, let's just throw some people in there. Uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Uh, who wouldn't maybe want to watch that one-on-one? I would. But which one is going to have to to kind of eat the embarrassment if they end up losing? And, and I think he's exactly right. It's not about the excitement of potentially winning. They're afraid of losing because it might look bad to the brand. Yeah, Dr. J had it right. Julius had it right to uh, diminish the brand. It would diminish the brand. And so it, that's kind of the thing, the idea that you might somehow lose. There, there's nothing to gain in their minds. In their minds. There's, there's nothing, nothing to, gain. to gain and everything to lose. Now, I remember back in the day in the 70s, they did 
you know, at halftime, one-on-one contests mm-hmm. among the best players in the league. And you know, I'm gonna what? have to it go find that of, Dr. J versus Cream on YouTube it, somewhere it, too. It was, I gotta it find was that. Kind of, it was lighthearted. It was, it, but but of course right. they didn't make the kind of money then that they make now. But it it was both entertaining and lighthearted in in the same way. It wasn't life and death. And now it's treated that way. Well, what if I lose? And back then, I mean, I I don't know that, you know, the players were as dynamic or as spectacularly gifted as the players are now. But I I enjoyed watching them. Uh, They had... uh, Segments, uh, I remember what, Red on Round Ball, Red Hour Back. Right. It was kind of hokey, but in, in a perfectly harmless, fun kind of way. And it introduced you to some players, even collegiate players, that maybe you didn't know that much One about. Pete because Maravich, for example. college basketball wasn't on TV all the time. Right. They had a game of the week, maybe, but that... that in the 60s, I never saw Pete Maravich play unless it was in person. The LSU was never on TV. Right. I never saw Dan Issel play at Kentucky. Kentucky was not on TV. Kentucky was a national championship contender. They're never on TV. UCLA, you would see time to time, but you'd only see them in the tournament or in a big event like that Astrodome clash between the Houston Cougars of Elvin Hayes and the UCLA Bruins of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And that was in 1968. That was a made-for-TV event, played in the Astrodome, kind of a precursor of Final Fours now, played in football stadiums, right? Uh, But, yeah, it it was was more fun. It was more entertaining. And the All-Star Games were competitive. People really care. It's like the baseball All-Star Game that people used to care about. And now the winning and losing doesn't that important but at least it's a game that resembles baseball yeah nhl all-star game it's not really a hockey game the nba all-star game even with east versus west which i think is the right way to go it's it's not really a game and the pro bowl is pointless you can Uh, just get rid of it congratulations by the way before we sneak out to colorado's own chauncey billups the late breaking news chauncey billups uh named as one of the finalists for the naismith basketball hall of fame Along with uh, Vince Carter, yeah, uh, obviously the former Denver Nugget, mainly with the Suns, uh, the late great Walter Davis, uh, one of yeah. the finalists as well, who just recently uh, passed yeah. away. Uh, Simone Augustus, the four-time WNBA champion, and uh, as we you mentioned before about guys that were never All Stars, but were known with the legends, Michael Cooper, yeah. of the Los Angeles, never Lakers, an All Star, very much on sure. the same path. He played but Jamal defense. Murray is played defense, right. right? And and so and Jamal's different, right? But but, uh, but the idea that you have to be an all star and all that sort of thing, no, right. not necessarily. You know what you do? Go get wins, right? Go win. And I, I don't know if Michael Cooper's all a famer. He would seem like kind of a fringe candidate to me, but certainly deserving of consideration. I think I think Vince Carter and Chauncey Billups both have outstanding do you, chances. Do you think? I mean, as does Walter if, Davis, if quite frankly. Michael Cooper doesn't make the Hall of Fame. Anybody 
privately or publicly would dare suggest, well, I can't vote for him for the Hall of Fame. He never played in an All-Star game. Right. That's not even going to come up. <laughs> How many rings? Go go get chips. Right. right. <laughs> That's how it the works. rings will probably be a stronger yeah, argument in his favor than All-Star appearances will work against him. I would think. So, Jamal Murray, hopefully thereof. Jamal goes and enjoys a UFC 298 with his man, uh, Alex Volkanovsky trying to defend his title. His training partner will find out. We'll be back on Monday. Appreciate everyone who interacted with the show. Whether you listen to it on FM, HD, you went to MyLifeSports.com, where you can also watch the program, by the way, or the MyLifeSports app where you can watch it, listen to it, listen to everything we do here, and get all the content, all the great writing, all the podcasts, all in your pocket. Go check it out, the Mile High Sports app. We will be back on Monday. Thanks to Danny Bailey for making everything work. We can't do it without him. You have a wonderful Holiday, no, it's not a holiday. I guess it's holiday week. President's Day is coming up, depending if you're lucky enough to have that off. But uh, enjoy your weekend. Be safe because we want to have you back. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We're going to leave, but keep it right here on Mile High Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. I saw the fire in your eyes. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.